It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain... Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Hello. And welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Country Farm magazine. And a warm welcome to season 10, where we explore histories and mysteries of the British landscape. We'll be walking in ancient lands, unearthing forgotten myths, and even stumbling across a few chilling tales of the supernatural. And as ever, we'll be outside enjoying the wonders of nature along the way. My name is Fergus Collins, and I'm the host of the podcast. And I'm currently walking by the River Usk near my home in the beautiful Brecon Beacons in Wales. It's a typical overcast autumn day of mists and rain, but the river is looking deceptively lovely, particularly after the recent rain. I say deceptively because not all is well with Britain's rivers, particularly due to pollution. And it's this subject that's the core of this episode nine, when we join our own Maria Hodson on the banks of the River Wye. The Y is known as the Queen of Rivers, but in recent years has been reduced to a grim, toxic shadow of itself through agricultural pollution and sewage overflows. Back in July, Maria went to a wonderful folk festival on the Y at Lidbrook in the Forest of Dean, where she met some campaigners walking the length of the river to raise awareness of its plight. And she also got to listen to some fantastic local musicians. It's truly stirring stuff. And please don't forget to leave likes and reviews on whichever podcast provider you use. And you can send me messages to my email address, editor at countryfile.com.
So I'm sitting by the Y at Lidbrook with Molly Meager and Rachel Bomford, who are the organisers and uh, champions of walking with the Y. Um, would you mind telling me a little bit about how you came up with the idea and what the campaign aims to achieve? Well, I, I popped in on a meeting, a Zoom meeting, and suddenly I said, let's have a pilgrimage. And everybody said, oh, yeah. But then I realised that you can't just say things like that. It don't happen unless you have a plan. So then I made a plan. And then Rachel was totally involved from the, from the very beginning after that. It was, it was a total two-woman two go, was, wasn't it? It was, a two-woman yeah, yes. yeah. And, and for me, the, the big thing that, that triggered it for me was when the Environment Agency in September last year put out a report to say that not a single English river was reaching adequate chemical status and only, I think it was 14% reached uh, good ecological status and very similar pattern in Wales and Scotland. And I just thought, and I've, I've known and loved the river ever since, ever since I was a child. And we've been seeing it year on year, haven't we, Molly? Mm. Just getting greener and dirtier. And the last five years, the algal blooms have just been well, they're almost a continuous flow now. And things like the really important keystone species, like the water crowfoot, etc., which is like the basis foodstuff for all these little river creatures, 95% has been lost in the last three years in our particular part of the River Wye. And so that really triggered us into action, didn't yeah, it? Yes, I will walk alone by the black muddy river and dream me a dream of my own. I'll sing me a song of my own. I'll dream me a dream of my own. And you describe the, uh, the journey as a pilgrimage. So um, would you like to expand a little more on, on that choice of words and exactly how far people are walking? I believe it's the length of the Y, is that correct? Yes, 155 yes. miles. Yes. So who, who's participating and, and how are they getting involved? And what does the word pilgrimage mean to you? The word pilgrimage is, is walking with intent, really. That's, that's all. Um, and uh, so people from all sorts of life, like lifestyles have, have been involved in it. We went up to the source, and um, which was amazing. It was quite a journey, and uh, <laughs> I had to slide down to the source itself on my bum. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I was just thinking to clarify for any listeners: you are carrying water from the source yes. Yes. down, uh, and, and you're pass, saying passing, you it, some, passing it round. Uh, yes, sort of from passing person it from to person to person, mm. like the Olympic torch. Yes. Yeah. So the walks. Yes, each area specific people have divided the walks and taken ownership of it and here in the forest we've got we're quite greedy with our events because this is our first event mm. in the forest today in Lidbrook and then there's going to be the water will be carried by uh, um, a flotilla of canoes and kayaks tomorrow down through Biblins, down to Monmouth where we're going to be met by Angela Jones she is going to come with a group of swimmers as well then there's another walk on to Redbrook. Redbrook on Tuesday afternoon, there's going to be another lovely affair. 
and then the walk continues through to Bigswear Bridge near St Breville's and we will be welcoming the pilgrims and we'll be singing and doing a handover to the pilgrims there. And then a fabulous... Can you describe what's yeah. happening in Tintin? Because that's a beautiful Yes, yeah, Tintin. In the, in the, there's a small church there, right on the, on the riverside. And, uh, and uh, somebody's written some music, especially about, about the why. And uh, there's a quartet going to be playing with them. Uh, there's poets going to be um, speaking there as well in the church. Very different kind of event to the Very others, really. Yeah. And then, then final day in Chepstow. Yep. We want to bring everybody to notice about what we've been doing, and and so we're going to have a procession to the town with the sand band. Finally, we'll we'll um, we'll go down. Um, there's going to be a pilgrimage down to the to Beachy Point. Um, I'm not going to be in the pilgrimage now because Sarah, the uh, rescue people want to be involved and, and want to take one person and since it was my idea then I'm the person they're going to take and the water down to down to um, Chapel Rock the isn't Chapel it Rock. yes where yes, the so. Y meets the seven and finally reaches the sea and actually to make it a, a, an entire loop that was you know life is a it's it's a circle it's not linear so right at the beginning of this, we gathered together, didn't we? And we, we collected water from opposite Chapel Rock. And it was that water we took with us up to Plinlimon and was part of our ceremonies there. And you walked from which part of the pilgrimage did you do? Kernbridge to Lidbrook. Kernbridge to Lidbrook. And what was your experience of that? In terms of the river health. The river health and your own enjoyment of it, actually, as well. Okay, so at the, right at the beginning, right up at Kernbridge, before we even got down to the river, we looked over the parapet um, down into the river and where the detritus from the sort of downflow met the arch supports. There's a, there was a fish swimming there, a big chub, and it was swimming under a slime of filth, so which looked like diesel, a diesel slick. And I saw that yesterday when I picked up the water from the previous walkers, and it was worse yesterday, so it wasn't so bad today. So that was the first thing to show people on the walk. And um, then we went under the bridge, and, we, and Molly led us in a song, which echoed, and all the people on the river who weren't part of the pilgrimage we're all going what's going on <laughs> so that's good and there was loads of interest up at the car park of people wanting to know what we were doing so that sort of initial bit was really good and then people walking along we were meeting people and telling them they were asking what we were doing and stuff like that so that was great um you could say about the, the grain at the, at the beginning ah yeah so we had a ceremony at Kernbridge um where we I gave everybody a little bit of um, birdseed grain as an offering and a little bit of source water in their hands to offer to the river to say thank you for 
everything the rivers do for us. Um, and that ceremony is connected. The reason we used um, seed is because it's, we're coming up to Lammas next weekend, which is the festival of the first fruits in the Celtic wheel. And Kern Bridge, I always associate with Lammas because Kern comes from Kernel, which is, comes from obviously from corn. And so I've always associated that bridge with um, Lammas anyway. And also last year, probably around this time last year, I was dreaming about the bridge and the big oak tree up there several occasions. So I knew there was something important to do. And then this year... Well, yes, and then, actually, the very first thing we did, um, uh, Mandy went and got some water from St Anthony's Well, which is like a very pure source of water, and um, brought it to the bridge, and then we, we threw some of it into the, into the river, didn't we? With gold. And, and, gold she, and she, she had a piece of gold, just a, a gold leaf. It was so thin, and put it on the water, and it floated down. It was just absolutely beautiful to see this tiny piece of gold going into the water and there was two there was a piece of gold in each um demijohn as well and so that also went in so there's gold floating down the river <laughs> Pollu- pollution yeah, from us <laughs> where she sweeps in broad meanders abbey ruins and castle keep sentinel above the waters of her stream both wide and deep then confined within her cliffs rushing torrents tumble free till mixing with brown severn's tide this queen of rivers meets the sea this land has some mighty rivers Severn, Thames and Trent, the Dine. I think the finest and the fairest is the lovely River Wye. Since this pilgrimage, we've been going to various places on the Wye and um, I went to Redbrook um, and, and we went into the water in Redbrook Recently I'd seen the film by George Monbiot, which is really worth seeing. It's called Riverside.tv, I think that's, that's all you have to look for. And, um, and in it, Angela Jones, uh, a, a swimmer in the Wye and a lover of the Wye, described the look, the look of the bottom of the Wye as it is now, with this slime on the bottom that she'd just come out through. And I looked down at Redbrook, and there it was the same. And, um, and when I looked in the water, that's all I could see. There was no fish, there was no life that I could see at all. No other plants, because you normally have plants that sort of grow and rest on the top of the water and things like that. There was none of that. And as my eyes got higher, there was no other life there. There was no birds there. Or, um, and it was quite frightening, because actually that's what... That's what Will, will gradually happen, but well, it isn't gradually happening. It's happening quite fast. And only and only two or three days ago, the, all the angling trusts right up the Wye have banned all fishing now uh, because they said three things. They said the because of the, the the algal blooms, because the water is so low, concentrating all any pollutants that are there, and because the water is too hot, and all of those factors just will not allow 
you know, egg, the, the salmon eggs can't, can't, can't thrive. And so the other thing, elephant in the room, that frequently is not mentioned is climate change. And we are going to be having more and more episodes of floods and droughts. And so if we can, if we can a great way for helping with floods as well is to encourage lots of natural growth, uh, nature buffer solutions it's called I think, where you can, where instead of all this runoff coming off from the fields straight in into the rivers, it can, it, it's buffered by trees and plants and that will help with flooding because we could have to cope with that in the years to come as well. side of it uh, we made good links with the Rivers Trust and they've started uh, an online petition and it's called give us back our rivers and it's asking the government to double the funding that they have said they will give to help clean rivers and waterways next year which is 30 million pounds we want it doubled to 60 million and 60 million pounds is a quarter of a day of the budget of HS2. So I know the government, everyone is probably knocking on the treasury door, aren't they? Everyone is saying we need money and I totally appreciate this. But I still feel that if we, we are a participatory democracy and if we get, a lot of people don't even know, they don't realize that the rivers and waterways are in such crisis. So if we can encourage a few people to sign the petition, a few people to, look things up, maybe think a little bit about what they put down their sinks, maybe think about what they eat. No, we, we all play a part in it. It's not as if there's villains. And, no, uh, but So I would say, <laughs> I have to say, um, that uh, when this Southern uh, Water Authority would um, find £9 million, pounds, or was it £90 million? Pounds? I think it was £90 million. million pounds. Yeah. That was 5% of their profits. And we're paying that out of our yes, money. We're yes. paying for them to look after our water. Mm. And um, it, it, it's just so scandal. I think that is the biggest scandal that, the, you know, mm. it's just, uh, yeah. And for us, the two big, big threats for this part of the river are the mixture of agricultural practices, which end up with a lot of, uh, of waste, animal waste coming down into the rivers. And as Molly says, the water companies, legally they are allowed to discharge untreated human sewage into rivers, but they're only meant to do it in extreme flooding and storm weather. But they do it routinely. They're just doing it willy-nilly, really. And, as, and again, as Molly says, if they are ever fined, it's often such a small fine that it's negligible they'll just pay the fine and possibly continue doing the same thing but having said that I do think that because sad person that I am one of my reading matters is now is wastewater treatment magazine I wait I go through that when I go to bed along with farming today and there are a lot of really positive people in those industries and areas they know there's a problem there's a lot of people trying to help 
So if we can just get the government on board to put a bit more money in, fund the Environment Agency, fund Natural Resources Wales, and uh, start putting some teeth into the legislation rather than just saying it's good practice for farmers to do this, we have got an opportunity to, to, yes. to, to get our rivers back. Yeah. Mm. Actually, it's not the government, is it? It's the water, water companies who are being paid by the government. Um, or well, paid by us. Paid by us. Mm. So, um, mm. I, I, I still feel that... Um, that the hypocrisy of it, I just, I, I just think it's so scandalous. Would you say that's, in your opinion, the single most effective thing that can be done to improve the waterways is for the water companies to basically be held to account more frequently and with um, harsher fines? Or are there other solutions to this predicament, which obviously isn't just affecting the Y, but is kind of nationwide, isn't it? A lot of our rivers are struggling. I, th- I think both of those. I think the... The, the water companies need to clean their act up and I totally understand that if it's a, if it's a, a flood situation you don't want sewage backing up into, into your houses and we still have this rather antique Victorian water system where our, our foul water and our drain water often goes into a combined pipework system. So that's called the combined sewer outlet. And that's why that backs up into people's houses. And they are committing, you know, there's a lot of talk, isn't there? So they are committing to say they are going to put millions into it and by such and such a date, they're going to uh, have have, um, upgraded and changed the the pipework and the sewage systems. But I suppose our frustration is often on the ground that there's more talk and not much actual activity. And in just in the last week or so, the government has said they're going to, big announcement, that they're going to put, create quite a few new environment agency jobs specifically to go in and look at farming practices. Again, it sounds a huge amount of money, but it is only for 18 months. And it does, over the last five or six years, the Environment Agency and Natural Resources Wales have lost something like between 50 and 65% of their budget anyway. So it's not even topping up what they've lost. So I think if we just keep pushing and, and we can just get people to know and understand more, then I think we're more likely to get some change. And some of it is, I'm sorry to say, chucking money at it. When I've done my work today And I roll my boat away What's lovely about Molly's idea, I just wanted one afternoon on the riverbank, bish, bash, bosh, get it done. <laughs> Molly's idea, I thought, lovely. Little did we know, did we, that it was end up this pretty huge performance, really. 
but all these lovely people we've linked in with from Powys through Herefordshire, through Gloucestershire, Monmouthshire, obviously all feeling the same thoughts that we're feeling, that we do have to put a bit of pressure on now to try and save this amazing natural resource. Mm. And it has a very celebratory feel, I think, which is really lovely in terms of the optimism that you also expressed, that if people yes. push hard yes. enough, this, this yes. can be saved and changed. Yes. And um, yes. that, that's very evident, and it feels like a really lovely way to approach mm. the whole project. Mm. Now we are the people who care for the forest, the waters, the wild things, the deer and the boar. We keep all these riches for those who come after and in memory of those who have gone on before. Now in times gone by, this land was a treasury, iron and timber, coal and stone. But those days are past now and few can remember. Soon will the time come when those few are gone And the woods and the streams are silver and green Here in our home in the forest And those mighty oak trees which built the great ships Which carried both cargoes and armies in turn still grow in the woodlands where first they were planted but now they stand guard over bluebell and fern we're proud of our dialect and our way of talking of foresters born you can't be one by choice so this is our heritage rooted in history Pride in our name, and our place, and our voice. And the woods and the streams are silver and green, here in our home in the forest. So let's drink a health to the folk of the forest, those who ensure that the forest will stand. Good health to the people who look to the future and know that our forest is safe in their hands. And the woods and the streams grow silver and green here in our home in the forest of Dean. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magic. 
stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. How absolutely lovely to have some music in the podcast. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And I'm delighted to say that Maria Hodson, who recorded that beautiful podcast is joining us in the podcast studio so we can talk all about it. Welcome, Maria. Hello, thank you. And we've also got our beloved regulars, Jack and Hannah, who help produce this podcast and without whom it wouldn't exist. So lovely to see you both. Hello. Hello. Um, Maria, that's just fantastic. Um, Thank you, first of all, for capturing all those wonderful music and also that story of the river. But let's, I mean, first, we should probably... I'd love to know a bit more about the musicians before we talk about the the big issue uh, that was dealt there. So who were they? And, you know, they've kindly allowed us to use them. Yes, well, they are um, fantastic musicians, all from the Forest of Dean. In (laughs) fact, it was um, through Rob Swanick that I found out about the whole campaign. And um, I thought it sounded really interesting, really inspiring. And as a result, I was keen to see this combination of sort of... um, activism, community effort and music all in one place to go into the names of the music. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, I think we should probably give them a name check. A name sort check, of, um, yes. So who do, who, do, who do we have? So um, in on this podcast, you can hear the Plump Hill Band who play the jaunty uh, jigs at the beginning. Lovely. It's a bit like Morris dancing. Yeah, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm, exactly. Am I doing them a disservice? Of, 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 that's a bit rude to everybody. No, there. I don't think so. Well, I, I, I have associations with that as well, and it's certainly something that gets feet tapping. Um, and, uh, yeah, there are a couple of interludes from them, and then you can hear Tracy Dixon and Rob Swanick on vocals and harp, and they do a cover of... Black Muddy River, and then they also do the Loch Tay boat song. These are just snippets of each yeah, of the no, tracks. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then there's uh, Dick Bryce, who is a well-known singer-songwriter in the Forest of Dean, who sings about the why, and the exit track is from the Forest of Dean. Oh, that was so Forest sweet. Yeah. It was really personal and passionate, and um, yeah, it felt like a real hymn to the to the people and the place. So yeah, I, I loved that. Very something moving. Yeah. Nice way to finish. It's very, um, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, my only issue with that one was that my three-year-old was in, occasionally interrupting. So I apologise to any listeners who are like, what is that small child doing? Podcast <laughs> magic. That's what, <laughs> how we like it. Was it was very much a, a, yeah, a community affair. So there were lots of um, lots of people there, audiences of all ages. And then there's also in the podcast an instrumental track called Resilience by a musician called Rob Barneville, which is very beautiful. Beautiful. And all on the riverbank. By the sound of things, or were you close by? Close by the, the river? Why? Yes, exactly. It was all held in Lybrook. Um, the interview itself took place on the riverbank, and then there was um, a little move. So, and there was some music there as well. The choir sang there, and Morris dancing. And then there was a move to um, uh, another area. Completely forgotten the name of it. It was like a sort of little community hub with a with a little bar, and they had the, the folk musicians in. The corner there and everyone else gathered around in a circle on chairs or sitting on the floor. 
Perfect. Yeah. Sounds like a really lovely way to spend a, a, an after, was it an afternoon. It in was a, a sunny Sunday afternoon. Perfect. Perfect. Obviously the big issue. Yeah. It was really interesting hearing from Molly and Rachel who are doing this, this great walk. Did they do all the walk or they, part, they were sort of passing on bits? Yeah. It was they, like, a, a, like, as you say, Olympic torch. Yes, exactly that. They didn't do the entire walk because it's quite a trek at 155 miles. So, but they were instrumental in organising the entire walk and um, inspiring people to do different sections, combining upper Y with lower Y and getting all the communities involved to have different events at different stages. And the, and the reason being that the River Y is not this queen of rivers anymore that we all, you know, I've certainly reported on the Y for I don't know, 20 years or something, and it's always been this sort of utter jewel in the crown of Britain's rivers. Things aren't good. Exactly days. that. Yeah. Exactly that. It's um, it's a river that's much loved by its community and by the rest of Britain. It's a place that people flock to to enjoy its beauty, and increasingly, it's on its knees. It's um, there are vast pollution through um, river com- uh, water companies releasing sewage and agricultural runoff, and um, I think that the people who live along its length really want to draw attention to its plight because they can see it changing before their eyes and they don't want to lose it. And who does? Uh, i got to say, it is the most heartbreaking, the most disgraceful story, I think, in the British countryside at the moment. And it gets my goat because not just the River Wye, hundreds of rivers. I don't think, I think she said at the beginning that the Environment Agency had found that almost no rivers in Britain were of, of good ecological status. Uh, it's just a disgrace, and we have the money and the capability not to let that happen. Um, you know, the rivers were a good news story in Britain. Uh, so for us to have, as a, as a nation, allowed our rivers to become sort of cesspits, which we should be, we, you know, we should be able to swim, fish, row down rivers. We should just be able to delight in beautiful crystal clear waters and honestly, uh, so I applaud them hugely, and and thank you for bringing that to our attention. And and uh, you know, we, Hannah Jack, any uh, any thoughts on the? I'm throwing you a curveball, like having sort of done all the <laughs> emotive <laughs> emoting. What more is there to say? It's it's a disgrace, and it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I think it's something we will keep pressing on in both of the podcast, our Country File magazine, the print magazine, and our website countryfile.com because uh, it's it's solvable. All of this. Uh, obviously, it's complex because people's livelihoods are, can, are all entwined with the way that we do things in Britain, the way that we farm, the way that we, you know, the way that we deal with our pollution. We're not prepared to invest in all the infrastructure that our sewage systems. We haven't sorted out farming systems that don't pollute our environment, and that's something that hopefully can be addressed. But it'll only be addressed through things like these people protesting, campaigning, singing, and making the case heard. So Hannah and Jack are desperate to go and see and listen to some folk music. Where should they go to try and catch some of this Forest of Dean magic? That's a very good question. And I'm sure the Forest of Dean would be delighted to have some uh, new <laughs> folk folk audience. Um, I think a good place to check out would be the Mitchell Dean Folk Club. I've been to a few gigs at the Mitchell Dean Folk Club. They're always uh, very good value. Uh, they take place in different pubs. It's uh, yeah, Perfect. changeable venues. Um, lots of people from the community playing different instruments. I'm always amazed at the musicality. 
Can can Hannah go and sing along? I'm, I'm yeah. asking these questions <laughs> exactly for that, you. Exactly that. They might not want me to. <laughs> So um, they would love it. I would love it. <laughs> I will be there if you do that. Um, yeah, you date. can always do it. You can always do a sort of open Well, you're in the slot. office choir, so I'm sure your, your dulcet tones could be heard across the River Seven sometime yeah. and the River Wye. Maybe do we could best. do a duet. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jack's staying very quiet. Have you got the recording equipment to actually cope with such? Not right now. We don't be like, do be like the pearl fishers. I've got it ready now. Uh, excellent. <laughs> I'm going to stay quiet. <laughs> Maybe a whole podcast band. Well, that would be great. A whole podcast of just us singing it together. A sort of <laughs> panic in Hannah's eyes, but I think that means we should definitely do it. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of lovely, beautiful sounds, I was casting around for a sound of the week. I haven't put it on here, actually, but this is something we do. I was casting around for a sound of the week, and I'm afraid I've done an editor's choice again. I know. Uh, is that, is that unacceptable? What a surprise. Okay, sorry. It's an editor's choice. It's something I, I was out walking the dog the other day and I passed a little, a really great pool with a big willow over it. And from the willow came this sound. Chiff-chaff? It is chiff-chaff in late September. So uh, chiff-chaffs, as you, I know you know all this, this Hannah, but chiff-chaffs are small migratory greenish, greenish-brown warblers which arrive in March. And that kind of chiff-chiff-chaff sound is like this lovely first sign of spring. So I find it a bit weird to hear them really late in the year when all the other birds have gone quiet. So I'm just did a little bit of research and it sounds like chiff-chaffs are hanging on a bit longer in Britain, perhaps with climate change. And they are singing. Someone told me that they might be setting up territories or at least sort of singing in the autumn with the anticipation of coming back and setting up territories for the spring or even not even or not even leaving the country at all because they migrate back to Africa in the autumn. Uh, little tiny birds, how they do it is pretty magical, but that would be a big change to have them overwintering. So that's the sound of the week. We also have some comments from, well, we've got the podcast post bag. I've got a letter here from regular listener Bridget Wesson. She says, hello, Fergus. It was brilliant to hear your latest podcast about climbing such an amazing peak in Scotland. I too have always had a fascination for Sylvan, but sadly not been able to make the ascent. My husband and I have been up Stack Polly, which you saw from the top, and is not as high or strenuous. And I had a truly awe-inspiring view of Sylvan across the Lochans. Many congratulations on your conquering your newly found fear of heights, making it to the summit. I am envious. I just wanted to give you a little more background on the geology and history of the landform in case you were interested. Yes, the area is where you can find the oldest rocks in the UK, at a place called the Moyne Thrust, where these ancient rocks have been brought to the surface. Sylvan is made of Turidian sandstone on top of Lewis and Gneiss, and this gives the horizontal strata effect that you can see. The shape of the mountain is made by the erosion of the ice, which split to flow around both sides of the rock, leaving an elongated ridge that is teardrop in shape and indicates the direction of the ice flow. 
This type of landform can be known as nuntak, an Inuit word. Bridget, thank you for that. Actually, we should have had you in that podcast because you, you've given us more information in two paragraphs than me and my two friends managed in about 45 minutes of blather. But we did have a great adventure and thank you for listening and being so kind about it. Jack, I believe you've got something from a close friend of the podcast. And uh, I don't think he's saying this in all seriousness, but who who, who is it and what, and have they got, what have they got to say? Yes, well, I, I have a letter. I didn't have to delve deep into the bag this week. It, <laughs> it came pretty direct. Um, and it's from friend of the podcast, Jeremy Pound, uh, who works on BBC Music Magazine. And he has written in this letter. I've been a devoted listener to your podcast for some while now. However, in a past edition, I seem to remember you sending James Fair out to find Nightingales, only for him to draw a blank. And then you dispatched him all the way to Shetland, at vast cost, no doubt, to find killer whales, only for him to again return empty-handed. Given, then, his track record of spotting wildlife that actually does exist, how can he possibly be in a position to give an opinion on whether or not there is such a thing as a British big black cat? Of course they exist, but like the nightingales and orcas, they simply have evaded his inattentive gaze. Oh, that's cruel from Jeremy. But thanks, Jeremy. It's a well, good point. It, it is a good point, and we'll have to have words with James about this sort of lack of lack of wildlife turning up in the podcast we send him out to get. But um, Jeremy was referring to an adventure James and I had quite recently in the Cotswolds, looking for the Cotswold cat, he, one of these mysterious big cats. We didn't spot it, but we did find the solution to the mystery which if you listen to that particular podcast, I'm not going to give it away. (laughs) I I sort of want to, but I'm not going to. No, I know. You you have another biscuit. (laughs) Yes, uh, thank you, Jeremy. Cruel, but fair. (laughs) James Fair. James Fair. (laughs) So that's it from this week's podcast. Thank you, Maria, for coming along and sharing words of wisdom. And may the why be clear again. And And we'd all love to come and hear some more singing. And hopefully... The duet that you both promised. (laughs) Thank you. So thank you very much for listening and join us again next week for another podcast adventure in the British countryside. It's goodbye from us.